Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Charlie Robinson on today's news talk, TNT Radio. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email, charlieRobinson at tntradio.live. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggressions, or you can go to my new website, macroaggressions.io, to find out all the things that I'm up to. But let's start, shall we, with headlines for today, Friday, December 29th, 2023. Expect to be shot. Ohio prosecutor tells would-be store looters, that's the headline, after a 16-year-old was blasted and killed by the owner of a smoke shop while trying to break in and rob the store. It turned out that the owner lived in the back of the store, heard the break-in happening, grabbed the gun of his brother, and shot the would-be intruders who, one of them died, the second one was charged with his murder for being an accomplice. But the uh, Ohio prosecutor told people, You can break in if you'd like to, but you should just be expecting uh, some bullets to fly your way. Also, first Costco, now Walmart. Major retailers now offer gold bars. This according to Zero Hedge. This was in the news a couple of weeks ago that Costco was doing it, that they had started and in their very first quarter had sold $100 million of one ounce gold bars. Um, But you can actually walk into a Walmart maybe not walk in, but you can order through Walmart a $70,000 one kilo gold bar if you are so inclined. Although I don't know if you're going to get the discount uh, that you're expecting at Walmart when it comes to buying this gold. But hey, listen, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of things to come. And it might be an indicator that the fiat currency Ponzi scheme is coming to an abrupt end. Also, NAACP suspends Illinois State Conference President Teresa Haley after calling illegal immigrants, oh boy, rapists, burglars, and savages during a Zoom call, according to the Gateway Pundit. I'm a little, uh, I'm I'm a little surprised it wasn't the NAACP and the ADL themselves, but uh, because they're the race hustlers are always the biggest racists around. But this was uh, this was one for the books, though. So uh, they they've they've gotten rid of the the uh, the problem over there at the NAACP. But something tells me that we'll be seeing a little bit more of this in the future, as long as Zoom calls are recorded. uh, This will be an ongoing theme. And finally, an idea so stupid that it could only come from my home state of California. Uh, California to find stores that don't have a gender neutral kids toy section. We had goofed on this before in the past because it's hilarious and nonsensical and you could tell it was written by the alphabet mafia, but it's now going into law. It's now going to be an actual thing if you own a toy store and or a store of any kind that sells toys and you have more than 500 employees don't know why that matters, but apparently it does, then you now have to have a section that is gender neutral toys in case, you know, the kids that are shopping there with their parents don't know whether or not to wear uh, dresses or shorts. It's It's a reminder, I think, to the general public paying attention that these people hate your guts. 
They have zero respect for you. They're not operating from some higher power. They're lunatics. They have been deputized by George Soros to remake society in their image. It starts in toy stores and it ends with you in a FEMA camp, I assure you. Um, they, they don't understand economics. That, that should go without saying. They, they're, they're, they're deeply missing in that component of, of how marketplaces work. And, and of course, that's because they're dirty communists. But even if they weren't, they would still need to understand the invisible hand of marketplaces by Adam Smith. But um, when you force stores at gunpoint to create new sections of their store on a whim, you are giving the invisible middle finger to the marketplace in actuality. So enjoy your $500 fine um, the, by the gender police and the alphabet mafia, because it's coming your way in California. But of course, this is uh, an idea brought to you by Gavin Newsom, who, in my opinion, will be the president of the United States in 2028. So get ready for gender neutral toy stores all over the land, not just in California. Hey, if you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, whenever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT radio website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now, there is no reason to miss out on anything on TNT radio. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Even as the world is still scrambling to get a handle on fake news, it has recently been introduced to the threat of AI-powered deepfakes. Now, we have to contend with fake meat, a synthetic substance created in a laboratory, probably coming very soon to a dinner table near you. But in the UK, starting next year, the first in line for fake meat dinner time will not be man, but rather man's best friend. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Oh, they're coming for our dogs. This is a line in the sand that I am unwilling to allow them to cross. Yes, that's right. Our, our furry four-legged friends out in the UK are about to get hit with this gunk. Um, yeah, the, this is official news. Um, it has not been approved for human consumption out in the UK yet, but they're trying their hardest. Uh, I think the United States is kind of leading the way with some uh, experimentation going on right now. Uh, maybe we'll get into that. But what's happening out on the other side of the pond is that a brand new synthetic lab-grown quote-unquote meat product is about to hit the market in the United Kingdom with its first customers officially being British dogs. That's right. This is a startup called Meatly. Uh, I believe that they are teaming up with a retailer called Pets at Home. Uh, and beginning next year, uh, they're going to be offering this slop for your pets. Uh, they claim that its imitation meat-like pet food will have all the benefits of meat from living, breathing animals, but without the messy, disgusting, horrible... Uh, guilt-tripping uh, environmental impact of traditional meat products. Uh, Greta is very happy. Uh, this is uh, what comes from traditional farm-raised livestock. Um, according to Owen Ensor, the chief executive officer of Meatly, in a press release, quote, we chose the name Meatly <laughs> because we wanted to celebrate the fact that it is real meat, 
but made the new way. Our hope is that Meatly will quickly become a household name loved by pets and pet parents alike and recognized as the choice for healthy, sustainable, delicious pet food. He added that, quote, the team makes real meat without animals taking a sample of cells from a chicken egg just once. Meatly can produce enough meat to feed furry customers forevermore, end quote. Mr. Enzor says that while dogs may desire red meat from live animals, the production and consumption cycle involved in, quote unquote, old-fashioned meat, as he calls it, hurts the environment in ways that negatively affect the soil for future generations, as well as the weather. Uh, Mr. Enzer said, quote, our pets love meat, but old-fashioned meat produced through factory farming requires a huge amount of land, water, and antibiotics and is a key cause of environmental degradation. We need cultivated, cultivated meat now more than ever, end quote. I'll never get used to saying cultivated meat. Uh, the company has said it hopes its sustainable dietary efforts for pets will one day be the quote-unquote meat source, not just for pets, but also for, you guessed it, the entire British population. Says Mr. Enzor, quote, Pet food is the natural starting point, given consumers' excitement. We're thrilled to be at the heart of the future of meat production in the UK, end quote. After what it hopes will be a successful UK launch, Meatly plans to expand its line of synthetic, quote-unquote, meat products into other markets, including the good old U.S. of A. However, the company should expect to face resistance as a debate has erupted in the United States over whether the lab-grown product should even be defined and labeled as meat. Justin Tupper, president of the United States Cattlemen's Association and one who would probably know what meat is, spoke with the Epoch Times and said that calling the chemical creation meat would be the equivalent of false advertising. Mr. Tupper said, quote, they are trying to sell a facade that this chemical laced cell cultured product is somehow safer and better than meat, but it isn't meat and it shouldn't be called meat. To say otherwise simply isn't being honest with the consumer. He adds that, quote, there is absolutely no way I would ever feed this product to my dog, a person or, every, or any living creature, end quote. Um, in case you missed the news of how this works, synthetic meat-like products are created by taking cells, which are acquired from animals, and placing them in a warm, sterile area, usually a metal vat. Yes, that sounds fun. Where they are then combined with a solution of chemicals that causes the cells to double once a day. Um, and uh, I did mention that the synthetic meat market has already arrived in the United States. Just last year, the USDA uh, gave two producers the green light to start producing and selling their lab-grown chicken-like products, making the United States the second country in the world right after Singapore to allow the sale of synthetic, quote-unquote, meat grown from animal cells. Charlie, is it really meat, and uh, would you eat it? And if so... What, what what are you ready to sink your teeth into? <laughs> no, it's not meat. You can see. So Beyond Meat has been in grocery stores in the United States for many years. And one of the little tricks that the people, the general public doesn't know is that Beyond Meat pays the grocery stores to be there. They wouldn't normally stock their products, but they, they don't just ask them to buy their products from the from Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat says, buy the products 
anything that you don't use, we'll take back, but also we need to pay, we'll pay you to be in that space. So when you see things like hurricanes coming through uh, and people rush to the grocery store to buy as much as they can get their hands on, you'll always see that meat section. It'll all be wiped out and completely empty except for all the synthetic meat. It'll just be sitting there. There's no appetite for it, quite literally and figuratively. There is no desire for it. There's no marketplace for it. Bill Gates is behind a lot of this. I know it comes as a surprise to zero people, but but he's definitely been financing this. They got a lot of celebrity endorsers beyond, you know, for Beyond Meat and took it public. And it's been a catastrophe because nobody's interested in this. If the human population's not interested in it, and they're not, then what leads them to think that the dogs will be interested in it as well. If the humans aren't buying it for themselves, most people won't buy it for their dogs, and it's probably not going to be any cheaper. Um, this feels like a gigantic failure all the way around, but it doesn't mean that we won't still see it, right? They're planning to to take this uh, uh, synthetic dog food international, I'm assuming. Uh, is that their plans? Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're starting in the UK, and then they want to bring it to pets all around the world, Charlie. Yay. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Um, th this is a well, listen, a lot of times when you see food that's thrown out as well, uh, the animals will pick through it, but the synthetic meat gets left. They won't eat that. You can put it out and they've done taste tests where they'll put real meat and they'll put the fake meat and they'll put it all outside to see which sort of animals come and take it. And the, the, they instinctively know not to trust the fake meat. It, funny that we don't. You'd think that we would. You'd think we're supposed to be smart. But we get suckered into these uh, concepts like, oh, we're going to save the rainforest because I'm going to eat fake meat. None of this is anchored in any sort of logic, actually. This is a, this is a busy work for globalists. It seems like it's just another phase in the death by a thousand paper cuts of, of trying to weaken us physically, spiritually, intellectually, every which way they can. And this is just putting, this is, this is garbage in, garbage out, right? Garbage into your system, fake meat, synthetics grown in a cell culture. Uh, and, and you're going to get garbage out as results. It just reminded me when you said that it was made from replicating cells and it was just one group of cells who was replicated over and over again. It reminds me of taking a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And as you start to move down that process, it degrades and the next thing you know, it looks maybe a little bit like what you started with, but it's kind of fuzzy around the edges and you certainly wouldn't turn it in as a term paper. So I'm worried about synthetic meat that we're going to get uh, to a place where it's, um, well, I'm really worried that we're going to get to a place where it's not labeled, where it's then just instead substituted behind your back in schools, probably prisons. What's the difference? And um, and and the, they will test it out on, on the kids first and, and then before they give it to, to us. But uh, I don't like it. I'd be ready for the new year to start without lab-grown meat. How about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you notice they have to trick everybody using little NLP uh uh, neuro-linguistic programming, like flowery language, be like, oh, yes, everyone's excited for this. There's consumer demand. No, there isn't. You just have to say that to give that impression in everybody's minds who are hearing these stories and these press releases, right? Um, it's absolutely garbage. And there's there's no 
This is the ass backwards way of thinking when it comes to consuming food. I don't know a single human being on the planet who consumes food and what they're thinking of is its impact on the environment. No, they're thinking its impact on satiating their hunger and or giving them enough strength to survive for the next few days. So totally ridiculous, this idea of like, uh, let's let's uh, let's center our food production around the effects on the environment. How silly. I'll pass. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to have two cheeseburgers today for lunch instead of one just to offset those people that think they're helping themselves by eating lab grown meat thanks ruckus we'll see you have a fantastic new year we'll see you uh, we'll catch you next week eh? i'll see you next year next year when we return we will be back with john snice and we're going to talk about uh bitcoin B bitcoin uh, etfs and everything going on with our currency markets this is tnt radio you should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We are back with the Charlie Robinson Show. My first guest is the founder of the Economic Truth blog. You can find it at theeconomictruth.org. You can find all of the information about the many books that he's written. 
And if you want to talk currency, if you want to talk money, you want to talk about the history of money, there's no better person to do it with than my guest, John Snyson. Good to see you, John. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, uh, Charlie. Well, when, when you and I first met in 2019 at an you had a a a a binder with you that had all of these old currencies. Some of them really weren't all that old, but like the 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 billion dollar Zimbabwe note, and it was all all of the currencies that had hyperinflated themselves away. Um, and of course, whenever I start to think of money, when I think of uh, hyperinflation, just inflation in general, I always kind of think about you and the work that you've done on this, on the, the on on what money is, how it's created, how it circulates, where it winds up getting pooled, and and what that means for the for uh, things moving forward. But twenty twenty four is shaping up to be a very interesting year with regard to money, the US dollar, the BRICS gold back currency, Bitcoin, Bitcoin ETFs. Let's start in crypto then, since since this is kind of a uh, where we're going over the next couple of days here, is that there's been a lot of talk about the introduction and the approval by the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, here in the United States of the first group of Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what a, an ETF is, why this, how this helps people and, and what it means for the Bitcoin or crypto community in general? Well, an ETF is very simply put, it's just, uh, you know, a, um, a corporation that they set up that the, you can buy shares of. Uh, so they basically issue shares to the shareholders and they can keep on reissuing more shares in, in the same fund that they have, of course, because there's no kind of cap or limit on, you know, what could be done in the ETFs. Like we've seen, you know, good old ETFs like SLV and GLD in the precious metals market where you have um, some people are you know calculating it to be a thousand times more shares than actual physical metals available. Uh, for redemption in those funds. So, um, uh, yeah, ETF very simply made is it's just a cheaper form of an old type mutual fund. Mutual funds used to, you know, have uh, fees from two to six percent, you know, that you would charge annually on these funds. So they're kind of outdated. They're still in Canada. I'm pretty popular in Canada for a weird reason because uh, they like to rip off uh, poor <laughs> investors here in Canada. But now the ETFs that you're looking at, like they're usually from like 0.25% up to a percent in fees. Uh, so they're a cheaper structure to, to make for these uh, financial institutions. So that's why, um, you know, the choice of uh, a vehicle is the exchange traded fund. Uh, which is yeah, it's as simple as that. Like it's just shares that you buy basically into this fund. The fund then buys and holds certain assets. Um, um, and of course, with these days, I, I just recently did an interview with um, none other than the guy from the Great Taking, David Webb, and we went into you know the actual ownership and who actually really owns uh, you know certain assets um, and so on. So, uh, but again, it's it's very simply made. It's it's just that you know you just own shares in a corporation that is set up by you know whatever uh, entity that you know buys these assets and then holds them in that entity. Yeah. So, so if Bitcoin ETF follows the same pattern as GLD, uh, which is the paper version of buying gold, where you're not actually buying actual tangible gold, you're just buying uh, sh shares of a company that's supposed to have a bunch of gold, whether it does <laughs> or not, doesn't, uh, that is debatable, of course. 
But do we run the same risk with Bitcoin of being this uh, situation where a company would say, let's say they're they're they say they're going to go out and buy uh, half a million Bitcoin, but in actuality mm -hmm. they only have a hundred thousand Bitcoin, and they're they're sort of uh, it, when you when it's time to redeem this for something that you actually want, is it is are they going to monkey with this in the same way they have with the paper gold and paper silver markets? Yeah, of course. There, like, let's. Uh, I, I pulled up uh, with my good old, uh, my good buddy ChatGPT. I pulled up from the, the recent filing of the BlackRock's filing of their ETF fund, and and let's just look at quickly at the structure here. I'm going to read off, you know, a little bit of the structure itself, so you can kind of see, like, this is in the filing itself, so people can get a little bit of an overview on what what is in it. So uh, the number one part of it is the trust and management operation. The trust uh, uh, is overseen by a sponsor. Uh, with day-to-day -day administration delegation to the trustee under uh, the trust agreement. The trustee BlackRock Fund Advisors is uh, responsible for various operational aspects like processing orders uh, for the creation and redemption of baskets, uh, coordinating with the Bitcoin custodian uh, for the transfers of Bitcoin, calculating the trust's uh, net asset value, and selling Bitcoin to cover the trust expenses. So that's the that's the management portion of it. Now we look at how they actually uh, hold these Bitcoins. So it's the Bitcoin custody. The Bitcoin custodian, uh, Coinbase Custody Trust Company LLC. So that's who actually owns uh, the title. Most like it, it's actually the title to these coins is not the shareholders. It's actually like BlackRock. Uh, it would be uh, well. What do they call themselves here? Um, BlackRock fund advisors. <laughs> That's who would actually hold them. But so it says there the Bitcoin custodian Coinbase Trust LLC is responsible for the safekeeping of the Bitcoin owned uh, by the trust. A substantial portion of the trust uh, of the trust Bitcoin is held in what's called cold storage. So cold storage is just offline. Uh, it's basically it has no attachment to the internet. So you can't do anything about it unless uh, you actually do a transaction over to what's called a hot wallet. Uh, which is the other portion of the fund, uh, which is then easily transferable. It, it's basically like an exchange account on uh, on Coinbase uh, that BlackRock gotcha. has. It's, it's their entrepreneurial uh, thing. Gotcha. Uh, and so, basically, yeah, so John, before you before you jump into that, let's do this. We're going to take a quick uh, one minute news headline break, and then when we get back, let's go into this because whenever I hear BlackRock being in charge of holding something, <laughs> I get a little bit nervous. This is TNT Radio. Big, big news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows, previously requested to be disqualified by former President Donald Trump's legal team, has ruled to exclude Trump from Maine's primary ballot. In central Mexico, a drug cartel has abducted 14 locals, including four children, as a response to a recent conflict with farmers in the village of Texcaltatlan. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. All right, we're back with John Snyson. So we're talking about this. So, so BlackRock is going to sell the, the fund. Coinbase is going to hold on to the coins in two various forms of custody. One being cold storage, which is a, yeah. a wallet that's offline that isn't 
susceptible to hacking and one in hot storage, which I would assume is more of like the food under the heat lamps, right? It's kind of coming and going, moving, and it's going out uh, yeah. out the door to and fro, uh, but it's not the bulk of it. It's just kind of the the bare minimum needed to keep, to keep the liquidity there. It, uh, yeah, it people. should be, but... It should be, but the percentage is not mentioned in the securities filing, of course. So we don't know. Oh. <laughs> they, they're not telling us, you know, exactly uh, what the devil's in the them. details kind of like, with that, huh? <laughs> and of course, those details we might not that might never be, you know, revealed to the investors. Maybe if you read the, you know, thousand-page prospectus that comes with these funds, maybe you'll find uh, find something out about it. But you know, that's that's to the extent here. Like, again, you know, there's not not only BlackRock is trying to file right now, like there's uh, Bitwise is one of them, uh, Wisdom Tree, Fidelity, Invesco, ARK Investment, and uh, 21 shares. So there's seven in the, in the works right now. Now, what, what this could do is that, of course, it could, you know, prop up the price of Bitcoin because these big funds and, and all this money, because right now the... Uh, the um, the actual va- like the market capitalization of Bitcoin is sitting around seven eight hundred thousand no seven eight hundred billion, I, I think it is. Uh, so you could imagine like that jumping probably three fourfold potentially with uh, new money coming in to these funds, and they have to buy the physical bitcoins as a portion of it, right? So uh, it definitely will benefit. But then again, you know, like look how much it's benefited the gold and silver price being manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's a huge drawback as well uh, when you let because what will end up happening in my view here is that you know they would love to set the price with their fund you know that their fund you know BlackRock uh, ETF or whatever it doesn't say exactly what the ticker is going to be but their fund is going to be you know the, the go-to for everybody so we're going to see the the BlackRock ETF price and not the real uh, you know, Bitcoin price. It's the same with physical metal. You know, the physical metal, you know, sells from the actual spot ETF price. It usually sells, like right now, you're, you're looking at 10, 11 percent uh, in a premium on real physical metal, uh, you know, in the silver form. I think it's like five to six percent in, in gold uh, if you buy the physical thing versus the actual, you know, share price, which you may or may not be able to redeem. You know, there might, uh, in those funds, they have a forge majeure clause, which basically means that they could just give you cash <laughs> instead of the physical <laughs> metals. And, and I'm pretty sure there would be uh, clauses like that if, if you look uh, well enough through their portfolio, like their prospectus when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, well, Bitcoin, and we know the Bitcoin community pretty well. We've met a lot of the people over the years um, through our, our circles of friends. And we know what BlackRock likes to do. They come in with all their money and buy up a ton of shares in a, in a particular company and then sort of put people on the board and control it that way. Yeah. But with Bitcoin and BlackRock, will there be enough sellers in the marketplace? Uh, I wonder, because a lot of the people that we know that are in the Bitcoin space in general, you know, they... they they see this as something that they want to retain for the long term. Are we going to get to a, a place where there's just not enough supply to match the demand of all of these uh, ETF funds? Well, yeah, that, that's a that, that's a valid question, right? But think about it this way too. Like, remember how like all these funds, you know, like FT, well, not funds, but exchanges, you know, like FTX, Quadriga CX here in Canada, all these exchanges were failing because guess what? They didn't have the Bitcoin that they promised. So is there going to be a massive overissue? And so Bitcoins, 
you know, that's going to be in existence. Right. Uh, where's the actual real Bitcoins, you know, that exist from the, uh, like on the actual blockchain itself? That's that's a huge different question to maybe, you know, uh, the huge risk that, you know, comes with, you know, having uh, tr and trusting it to a, a custody holder, like a Bitcoin exchange, it's like trusting it to JP Morgan to you know, be like, hey, just don't uh, make any loans so you create more money kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, uh, again, you know, I know that Coinbase really are desperate to get on a list. I, I've been saying this for like five, six years that Coinbase is the one that wants to, you know, become the a global systemically important bank. That is, you know, every year the Financial Stability Board puts out a list on the what's called the GSIB list. And it's the banks that will get bailed out. And of course, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I forgot the, what his name is there over at Coinbase, but, you know, he definitely wants to, you know, be part of the big boys and, and uh, you know, be a uh, too big to fail institution. <laughs> that would be Brian Armstrong over there at Coinbase. Yeah, Brian, yeah. Who, yeah um, I just had Berwick on a couple of days ago. We were talking about his, his pick for, you know, what he liked in terms of, uh, of, of retail spots to buy crypto. And he said, he said, Kraken is the way to go. It's run by a libertarian and they sell Monero there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so again, so do we have a, do yeah. we have the opportunity for people that are currently holding Bitcoin to sort of see the value of their holdings rise or is this they're going hobbler. to be, is yeah, it going to get I, manipulated? I think they're hobblers for the long run. So like actually being able to sell real Bitcoin uh, it might be harder than we think, probably, uh, for these funds, because now what they're going to do, they're going to, you know, launch these funds and they're going to have to buy uh, the assets themselves. And you put out a super valid point. It's like, yeah, there's enough people like of current holders going to, you know, is it just going to be like the peasant, you know, like the 0 0.1 per, uh, Bitcoin holders and below or, or maybe one Bitcoin and down? Are those going to be the ones that are selling? And then you only have like big veils and you have the small little minnows selling off all their assets to to Wall Street at a bottom price. You know, they sell sell low and then, uh, you know, buy high again. You know, maybe they'll sell all their Bitcoins to them and then they'll buy the funds, you know, at a really high price, you know, three years down the road that, that could yeah. be a potential right like uh, but i think like the bigger guys that are in the game you know like the uh michael sailor and all these other guys they're not going to depart with their bitcoins they're constantly accumulating when they can uh bitcoin so i, I don't know like it's going to be hard like of course you're going to be able to buy these things but um to which point and and how many are they actually going to let out there you know through the needle that is the securities and exchange commission in the united states are they really going to let, you know, all these seven get out there and have the Bitcoin funds? Like, uh, does BlackRock really want competition? You know, they uh, they got a few guys on the board of the SEC. And uh, uh, and so it's going to be harder for some of these other ones that are, of course, Fidelity is massive, right? So they might be able to. They're one of the big ones, right? So uh, maybe our, like Kathy Wood with our, uh, might be harder. Uh, and then, of course, there is the the current funds that are out there. Like, let me mention some of them that you could buy, like Bitcoin exposure uh, through, like, because there's Bitcoin futures right now through like derivative mm -hmm. markets. So you could buy Bitcoin futures. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called like Pro Shares Bitcoin Strategy, Pro Shares Short Bitcoins. You can even short Bitcoin through a fund. Um, and then there's you know Bitcoins that hold mining operations. They hold uh, companies that are you know part of 
the infrastructure of Bitcoin you know, payments and and exchanges and so on. There's there's those that actually do that. So, um, but there's not the direct you know ownership uh, uh, one yet, and that's what we're talking about here. Is the actual real you know um that actually does own direct bitcoin like they, they will own it like it's not that they're not not going to have zero bitcoin and they're going to just all lure everybody to think that they have anything of course not like they're not dumb over at blackrock they would have to you know, buy bitcoin yeah. so but yeah it would be uh, it'd be very interesting though to see where where it's going to go or uh you know how many people are willing to depart at what price yeah. Well, and there are ways you can get exposure to this. Like you said, you could buy something like Riot Blockchain is is a publicly yeah. traded company here in Castle Rock, Colorado. You could buy into them. You can essentially what you can do if you want exposure to a market that you're not allowed to participate in, instead of being the gold miner themselves, you can invest in the general store that sells the picks and axes and shovels and wheelbarrows and yeah. all of that stuff as a way to get yourself uh, a little bit of exposure to Bitcoin without actually buying any. We're going to go take a quick break. We'll be back in, on the other side with John Snice, and he's going to stay with us for the final segment. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Winter is going to reclose in on Europe and the United States. The United States had a very warm Christmas, but if you looked at the weatherbell.com analogs that we put out back in March for how we thought this was going to evolve, a lot of this is based on our climate hypothesis having to do with the underwater geothermal venting that's going on. It predicted almost perfectly the Christmas temperature across the United States, with it being warm in the east and central part of the country and cold in the west. It also is predicting a cold January, February, and March, and this is coming for much of the southern and eastern United States. It's also coming for Europe. You folks in Europe, get ready. You can punch the clock. You're about 10 days away from a dramatic change and there is going to be three to four weeks of really, really nasty weather in Europe. Because this is a retrograding pattern, we have something called the quasi-biennial oscillation, which is easterly. What happens is Europe will get very, very cold first. The United States over the next two weeks will be cold from about the central part of the United States, west, east, south, where it'll still be warm in Canada. Then the mother load comes into the United States later in January and February. So we're giving you fair warning now. There is a textbook stratospheric warming event taking place. It was already one. It is leading to the response that's turning it cooler now across the United States. But the second one that is coming is the one that can really, really dump the polar vortex into the Great Lakes for a while later in January or February. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. If you can't believe what you're hearing, get the straight talk from Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Let's wrap up this year strong final segment here, John Snyson. If you want to connect with him, you can go to his website, theeconomictruth.org, and find out all kinds of information about the books that he's written. There's many of them. And uh, to to talk to him or to see his uh, writings on where we're headed in, in 2024 and beyond. And since we're, we're going into the uncharted territory, let's talk chainsaws with our favorite lunatic down in Argentina. <laughs> Javier Malay, what do we make of him? I mean, he's got the libertarian playbook uh, down to a T. He says all the right things. He sounds, you know, he talks about his relationship with the state and what he thinks the banks and the media can go do to themselves. And he's got me there, right? I love it. He brings the he brings the props to the events, and I want to like him, but he's got those World Economic Forum connections, and he's uh, he's he seems a little bit uh, a little bit maybe captured on some areas and uncaptured in others. What do you make of this guy? I, I mean, are we is this a guy that we can really get on board with, or is it too early to tell? Is the machine going to get a hold of him and change his mind on some things, or blow up his airplane? Like, where, where are we going in, in in the following year with this guy? And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit worried about the quality of his chainsaw. It looked like a pretty cheap brand, you know, like rather than the, my good old steel chainsaw that I have here that I could cut a lot with. But, uh, you know, other than that's that, socialism you know, for you, though. You get crappy chainsaws when you when you've got it when you've been running a socialist policy for the last 40 years before before they were throwing people out of helicopters. And then the, now they put in socialism yeah. and it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. But what I actually pay close attention to what's going on in Brazil, I actually put some money in an ETF <laughs> in Argentina. Uh, yeah, just uh, just as a bet, you know, I, I like uh, throwing some money at some bets out there, of course, uh, because I'm, I'm shorting Canada and betting on Argentina. <laughs> Well, that, so, that's well, a, but anyways, the, 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 way well, with the fun part here. Let's let's get into the to the more interesting things. of What is actually going on down there? Is he doing anything? You know, is he is he getting a headway? So he got inaugurated in, on on uh, December tenth, uh, and in the speech, he actually did mention uh, some very hard hitting libertarians and anarcho capitalists that he's huge fans of. Um, so what has happened since then? Has he actually done anything over in Argentina? You know, is he actually walking the talk or is it just a politician? That's the real question. So actually, uh, well, he has done a, a few really good things. He's caught, uh, he, right now he has a massive omnibus bill, uh, of cutting, I think like 300,000 laws in, in Argentina. Uh, he's actually removing, I think nine government agencies, um, so yeah, no, he is actually doing what he said that he was gonna do, um, which is which is quite nice for for a change. So he's actually coming after it and cutting pretty hard, uh, you know, the governments and and he's actually putting out a um, decree. Everybody thought it was like, oh, he's putting up martial law, you know, you can't protest or whatever. But no, what he actually has said is that he you're allowed to protest, but if you start blocking roads and infrastructure, you know, you're gonna be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, gotcha. so that's kind of where his his mind is on that, and uh, I think the best legislation that he actually passed of them all in any history of governments, it actually just recently. This is the legislation that he passed. This is how much fun he is to watch. So, uh, he passed the legislation uh, that any government official in Argentina is not allowed to use the word "free" uh, in conjunction with talking about government programs at all. They will end up that in jail if they actually do. So that that's probably one of the most hilarious and best bills ever passed by a politician. 
Oh man, it's like, when they t- it's like when they took all the W's off the keyboards yeah. in um when when Obama was taken over for for George W. But it's the same. Yeah. He's taken the F, R, and the E off of the keyboard. You can't write free if you're writing <laughs> from a government from a government office. You can't write free because it's not free. Of course, no, you and I yeah, know this. It's, <laughs> it's it's what politicians use to tell people, yeah. you know, I'm going to buy your votes. I'm going to give you free stuff. Well, listen, yeah. people love free stuff, but the problem is it's not actually free. And you yeah. put it on a credit card for other people to pay. And then you wind up what you in a situation like Argentina has, which is four decades of just churning along with with a with a, a subpar currency that hyperinflates periodically and you know, yeah, they're labor actually, issues. I, yeah, actually, I wrote about them in my book, The End of Freedom, Our Monetary System and Slaves. Was they had about eight devaluations, which basically means overnight your currency goes from being worth a hundred thousand dollars in purchasing power to twenty-five thousand dollars of purchasing power overnight. So I, I talked to people, met people here in even in Winnipeg that you know gone through those uh those crises down in Argentina and it's not pleasant and then of course they had a couple of hyperinflations there as well so they're they've been known for like since their 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 peak you know in in the uh you know like it was late 1800s to early 1900s they were on a rip they were the biggest economy in the world basically uh they were you know rich and wealthy economy they were resource rich and so on and they still are um but so that and they had policies that was like very much like free market oriented and, and so on and, and so it looks like that actually works you know and and so with milena what is doing as well is uh those legislations that we're talking about one of the major ones is actually deregulating everything uh so he's taken all these state-owned enterprises like here in canada we call them crown corporations which is way too many of them um and he's just saying we're gonna de- you gotta have to deregulate like you, you, you're gonna have to adhere to it. Like we're gonna make it private, and it's gonna be competition now. Uh, and so th- that is a good thing. I, I've seen that in Norway. You know, with uh, uh, the the telecom and uh, the uh, hydro industry in uh, in Norway, the electrical industry. Like so, basically, it's completely decentralized and free market. Uh, and so that is also another good thing, right? So uh, I don't think that you know uh, he's gonna turn Argentina into this guy over here. You know, little flag that I have on my shoulder, Liberland. You know, yeah. I don't think that's possible, uh, of course, but it's it's great to, you know, he's a fantastic character. He's so smart. Like he is a, uh, you know, an economist of trade, which is interesting, right? But uh, he actually has a character, you know, a superhero character that he created, which is an anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> so he's quite the fellow. You know, the, the, the reason why you find him on the World Economic Forum website is because he had a speech there back in uh, back in the day when he was a part of, he was an advisor back in the day for the um, finance ministry, I think, of Argentina or something like that. So he had a speech because, uh, you know, as Klaus Schwab says, he doesn't like libertarians. You know, it's a anti-system, he calls it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but, well, uh, he, well, it, he he's probably going to hate Anarchapulco this year uh, or February twenty twenty four, February eleventh through the sixteenth. You know, I've I met you at Anarchapulco. I've been a speaker there several times. You've been a speaker there several times. They gave me the nod this year. I'm going to host and MC the whole event. So listen, I'm inviting the world or whoever is listening to this. If you want to come to a party, if you want to see what's really going on. Come to Acapulco, Mexico, the second week of February in 2024 for Anarchapulco, the largest anarchist conference in the world, health and wellness, cryptocurrency, 
F the government, all of that stuff. The mainstream media is not welcome. The alternative media, it's like their Super Bowl there. You're going to find all kinds of crazy things going on. You'll see me there. Uh, you'll see, well, John, you coming this year? You 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 breaking out of the we'll have to We'll have to see because I, I promised that I was going to go down to the States and visit a whole bunch of uh, friends there. But some of those friends are going to Anarchapoco. So uh i might you know I, we'll have to see how the finances goes and everything because it's i uh, i have a big trip it's my 40th uh, year of birthday next year or so in march so like i kind of have something planned out but we'll see you know it's it's totally possible and and if one of my projects goes well there might be a lot of things that could change that that i would be traveling to a lot of places uh, this coming year so Let's talk about that because this new project you're working on is really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about? You sent me the information on it. Yeah, uh, it was we were, we were looking at it. This there's a real need in the marketplace for this. So so tell everybody what you're working on. Yeah, this is pretty cool actually. Like I I've been looking at a lot of different projects and I've been involved in a few like blockchain projects that promised a lot and. Um, but the problem has always been like they promise a lot of things, but then suddenly when, you know, the rubber hits the road, there's really nothing there. <laughs> you know, a lot of promise and, and no product. Right. So what I got excited about this thing is like, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of promise here. But actually, the, the product itself almost works uh, perfectly. Like it's not like 100 percent yet because they're actually in alpha. They just launched it over a just over a month ago. Um, but this project, I'm talking like uh, to another person. So this would be like you and me having a conversation over Zoom Air. But forget about the central server at Zoom. It would be your device and my device directly communicating uh, without anybody being able to listen in, other than if they had the link to your actual uh, room that you're in. But you'll see that there's another person there. Like they will pop up and you'll see that there's another person in the room, right? So, uh, but right now the, the big thing about it is that peer-to-peer -peer, uh connection and what it does it actually uses so it uh, in to initiate the 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 actual connection it uses BitTorrent. so it uses BitTorrent to then connect um you and me you're my devices if i'm on an iphone you're on computer uh, and so it makes that connection and voila now that iphone and that computer has a direct connection without any central uh third parties there's no server there uh, and so the data is going directly between you and my device. Nobody can snoop in. You know, the, the government can see what's going on with the internet traffic. They can see if you're doing a video call or or audio call, but that's it. You know, they're not able to then snoop in on you, uh, which, you know, Zoom and, uh, and all these other uh, video platforms like Apple's and, and whatever, like Google Meet or um or or these other ones are able to so it's just truly amazing that you could uh, then have and, and the quality itself is really really good like I, I just love the quality of of uh you know the call itself it's it's pretty much because what you're doing is you're removing all the tracking uh and all the central you know uh, entities that's going on and it's just a direct communication between you and my device then and, and so it removes all of that and but the more people you add to the system you actually then gain more processing power and so on. And, and so you could have, like right now, I think they could have up to a few hundred people right now, and they're looking at going up to 10,000 to 100,000 uh, as well, uh, like using this technology. So, but it's it's just amazing. Like, I, I just love that it's peer to peer. You know, like yeah. we, we don't, like there's a lot of promise with a lot of, a lot of other things online there. 
And nobody is able to come up with something that actually goes directly in between two devices without any central uh, kind of mechanism. Without getting funding from InQtel, right? The venture capital yeah. arm yeah, of the there, CIA. There's no InQtel funding here. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, we're yeah. we're in a we're in a we're in a we're in a battle against um, yeah. the intelligence agencies, our own government, large corporations. All three of them kind of blended together um, to to figure out who can create the best mousetrap where you and I can talk to one another, either in video format, audio format, where, in a way so that it's just between you and me. I think that yeah. even now when with 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 devices such as ProtonMail, you know, encryption devices, uh, VPNs and whatnot, you, you, you know they work pretty well, but pretty well isn't a hundred percent. And yeah. you know that there's a way to get for them to get cracked. And it always makes you kind yeah. of feel like, I don't really know if I want to have what? this conversation, you know? No. And, and, and of course the problem is a lot of times, like even with, you know, like decentralized services, like uh, Odyssey and other, uh, you know, platform like rumble, they still are on, like they still use AWS from Amazon for crying out loud, you know, like don't, you know? <laughs> so what, but the thing about this is you can have a chat and everything on that, you know, conversation. But as soon as you quit, as soon as you go out, it's all gone. You know, it's all gone in the ether. You know, like it's all gone, all the information you talked about. So there's no recordings of it anywhere or anything like that, which is truly amazing. Now, that's just the start of it. Like these guys have uh, like pretty pretty much a little genius, uh, these two guys that are involved in one guy from Britain and, and one guy from the United States that doesn't want to get named because he's pretty much afraid of being Snowden <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or like, you know, end up like Ru poor Russell Ulbricht. That's a, you know, uh, yeah. we support, you know, Lynn and um, his family there, you know, just political prisoners because they created something that the government can't, you know, control. Right. So, um, but what these guys are doing, they're not stopping with, you know, the video communication platform. Oh, no, they, they have uh, created a video transfer program, uh, actually decentralized metaverse, like for people that are interested in that kind of uh, stuff. I'm not, but, you know, they created that so you could have your own little metaverse room decentralized without a server that you could sit and talk in with VR or whatever. Um, and then uh, another thing that they're working on is actually a decentralized app system, which is completely like you don't even need the app store anymore. Um, and then they're also working on a social media, like decentralized social media platform as well, uh, which is basically just going to be stored like uh, this platform. You just upload to your own computer the information and then uh, people then talk and, you know, like it's like a BitTorrent network, you know, where right. they basically... Uh, had tiny little parts here and there. And then, you know, as you looking for something, it'll be like, oh, here, here it is, you know, like, and then you send that information to someone. So it's pretty neat. Like, they actually, what they're doing is they're rebuilding the internet itself from, you know, the centralized server type model and centralized hubs to completely peer to peer decentralized uh, network, which is like, yeah, you don't want, uh, you know, the government to know too much of what you're up to yet. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're in for a big treat, you know, when this starts to really gain traction and the technology is fully developed. Well, now we know why the guy doesn't want to let yeah. everybody know his name. Yeah. When you're building yeah. a new version of the Internet, you don't want to. Be, I just If that guy gets on the airplane and sits in the seat next to you, ding the call button and ask the stewardess actually, to put you on actually, a different airplane. <laughs> Listen to this. This is actually the type of guy. We gotta, we gotta, 
we're running out of time, John. We'll have to get, we'll, we'll have to get it on the on the next time when I have you when I have you back. That's John Snice and everybody. You can check out his work over at theeconomictruth.org. Follow him, buy his books, support his work. I will see you all next year. Have a good and safe New Year's Eve. Don't drive drunk. Be smart. Catch you in 2024. Take care, everybody. <laughs>